All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this community. Thank you for your word. Um, Thank you for being a God that wants to know us and uh, being a God that loves us. Um, And God, I ask that you would be softening our hearts to your word. Um, not, Not my word, not the way I interpret it, but God, the message that you want us to hear. Um, and God, I ask that um, we wouldn't get hung up on the way things are said, uh, but instead we would focus on um, your message to us, the ways that you want us to follow you and be led by you. Um, so God, would you join us in this room today, and um, yeah, would you just uh, deflect all the, all the lies um, that might sneak up on us? Um, so Lord, we, we seek your involvement tonight. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so we are in a 15 or a 16-week um, series on Galatians. Um, so for those of you that were here last week, Pastor Eric had a couple of questions, actually three questions, and I'm wondering if I could quiz you on them. The first question is, where is Galatia? Hey, that's right. Galatia is a region in southern Turkey. What's that? So (laughs) that's pretty good. Um, Okay, so where can you find background information to this letter? Acts 13 and 14, that's right. And when Paul says the gospel, what does he mean? Right. He means the good news and the victory of Jesus Christ. So I was given this clicker. Let's see if it works. Yeah, hey, look at that. It does work. So that is, that is right. So um, Galatians is a letter that Paul wrote to the people of Galatia. And um, Pastor Eric talked last week about things that hinder us from pursuing truth. Uh, he talked about ourselves, the fact that we believe that we are the center of the universe, talks about other people um, and what they say about us. It is not uncommon for me to ask uh, people that, uh, that I know, that, that know me, um, to speak into my life and tell me who I am. Um, that certainly hinders me from pursuing the truth about what God says about me. And also our relationship with God. You know, we, we certainly can work hard for blessings, or maybe we're angry at God because he's not giving us blessings that we think we need. Uh, But Paul, this letter that Paul writes uh, to the Galatians is concerned about how we pursue truth, Um, which I think makes sense for Paul because truth is something that came to him suddenly and just really slapped him in the face. So if you read um, the book of Acts, you will learn about Paul's transformation. Uh, And he's serious. You know, Paul, um, he, in his ministry, he gets... um, People try to kill him, and they stone him, and he somehow defies death, and he gets back, and he goes back and um, preaches to the church. So he's super serious about how we pursue truth, and he argues since that uh, we are all sinners, there's really no way for us to make up for our sins. So it's not about us. It's about Jesus, uh, and he is here to rescue us out of this evil age, and um, his other big point, of course, is that God raised Jesus from the dead. So we are in Galatians um Chapter 1, uh, 11 to 12, and this thing stopped working. And that's okay. All right, well, I'm going to read uh, Galatians chapter 1, verse 11 
um, and 12. Uh, does this clicker work? Oh, that's okay. Yes? Perfect. Thanks. Okay. This is Galatians uh, chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. All right. So, you know, I'm curious, what makes Paul an important person to listen to? And, and what makes us an important person to listen to? You know, Paul is a man with a story. And he has experience and wisdom. He's not driven by results. Um, and he, um, he offers a God foundation rather than a foundation formed by man. So if, for those of you who don't know, Paul was a murderer. And he orchestrated uh, essentially terrorist plots to um, kill Christians. And God appeared to him, J- Jesus appeared to him and said, um, my paraphrase is, um, you know, you, you got to turn this around, bro. And um, this, is, this is not what I have for you. And so Paul becomes a minister. It's easy to preach words that are made up, uh, but when you speak from your experience of God, it adds a layer of understanding and credibility that's very unique. Um, so continuing on in Galatians, uh, verse 13. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age, and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. So it's important to know who Paul was in order to, to know who Paul is. So you don't have to um, go back with me if you don't want to, but I'm going to read Acts um, chapter 9 um, just a little bit. Uh, this, is, this, is, um, this is Paul's conversion. And if you notice, he's um, called Saul here. Um, and so his, he goes by Paul later in life after he goes through this transformation. So meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out mur- Uh, breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind. He did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his sight. He regained his strength. He received his sight and his strength. So when I imagine what it must be like to be walking on the road on my way to persecute people and have Jesus appear to me and blind me and um, have my friends lead me around blind and then have somebody restore my sight, I think, you know, holy moly, like this is some heavy stuff. I mean, this is like having a lightning bolt strike in terms of magnitude and probability, I think. The fact that um, this happened to a person like Paul, I think, is, is pretty crazy and certainly pretty big. So part of Paul's credibility comes from the fact that his past was so troubling. You know, he's running full speed in one direction only to be suddenly running full speed in the opposite direction. Um, when God gets a hold of your life, things happen. Uh, these God moments make your life worth listening to. If you feel like you haven't had a God moment and that your life is not worth listening to, um, you know, I would, I would encourage you to reflect on your story. Um, I would re- uh, recommend doing the Learning to Love the Master study uh, or going to the Learning to Love the Master weekend or getting with somebody who knows that study or knows how to kind of do some God story journaling. Uh, I would encourage you, I, I, I believe, I want to believe that everybody has a God moment in their lives. Um, and, and maybe it's, Maybe it is on the near horizon. I don't know. Um, but uh, I'm going to flip back uh, all the way to Exodus chapter 34, verse 29. I'm only going to read one verse. I'm not, I'm, I'll, I will spare you the length. But this is um, right after Moses received the Ten Commandments. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. So Moses had an experience with God, and his face changed. Yeah, I'm a very um, visual learner. I like to think that he looked like um, the, um, I don't know if it's Edward or the other one from Twilight, when their skin gets all like super glittery. Like That's kind of how I envision Moses. Like It's weird to look at him. Like There's something that happened to Moses. Yeah, I don't think he became a vampire, but he definitely had some sort of transformation, and people could see it, and, and Moses didn't even realize it. So this was evidence that God had interacted with him, and once you realize that God is active in your life, I think your face literally changes. I think people can tell. So I'm curious about a few things for myself and also for you. Where in life has lightning struck for you? Are, are you still waiting for it? Did it happen, and have you forgotten about it? How do you get one if you're still looking for it? And if you've had it, how can you get it back? Well, let me tell you a a brief story about myself. Um, A a trigger word for me is is the word jerk. Uh, For much of my life, I was uh, labeled as a jerk because I was mean to people. And 
people called me a jerk. And then I got involved in the church, I got baptized, and I was still a jerk, which is a little bit surprising. Um, But my face had changed, and I began seeing God throughout my story. So people could see it, even if, like Moses, I I didn't notice it myself. So despite my um, attitude towards people, despite my desire to be kind and there, there still being times that I was rude or mean to people, my story became worth listening to. I would be bummed to be written off because people just assumed that I was a jerk or that I am who I was. And if you think about Paul, uh, it would be easy for him to say, you know, I had this experience with Jesus and I'm changed, and people are like, are you the murderer, Paul? Like, I'm not going to listen to you. I think that would be a huge loss. So shouldn't we at least give the people people the benefit of the doubt, uh, even if we know a lot about their past? No longer would people write me off because I was a jerk. Now I was someone credible with an awareness of the living God in my own story, but still with a long history of you know, being a jerk and you know, certainly have my moments. Who we are and what we do is certainly related, uh, but God tells us, that despite our habits of being a jerk or being lazy or greedy or whatever, that our identity is given to us by God. He uh, created us in his own image. So we bear that even um, despite maybe some of our um, ungodly qualities. Um, And God loves us. So when I slip back into jerkiness, I must be reminded that I'm God's child and that he loves me and that he's pleased with me. And Paul has this moment, and then as he's figuring things out, God says, Paul is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings before the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. That's Acts 9 again. So we need reminders of God in our lives. Um, uh, A quick story, um, when Bronwyn Wevedo was in the process of entering um, into the village family. Um, the other Weavido girls were at our house. Now, if you've been to my backyard, you notice that it's a big um, open space with a lot of dirt, and the power line from the power pole comes, and it connects to my house like at a diagonal. It causes me a lot of anxiety because um, I think as my kids get older, they're going to want to like swing golf clubs and throw balls, and it's going to hit that power line. So uh, Everest and I were hanging out in the yard, and she sees the power line, and she goes, can I touch that? And I said, no, I don't think that's a good idea. And she says, well, why not? And I said, well, it has a lot of energy, and it's, ele- it's electric wire. And she says, well, what's energy? So here I am trying to explain energy, and I, you know, I don't, I'm not a scientist. I don't know. And I said, well, you know when you've got socks on, and you're walking across the carpet, and then you touch a door handle, and then you get shocked. It's like that, only bigger, and it will make you cry. <laughs> and I think I, I spared her some of the important details. Ron's not here. He could probably tell you um, what would really happen. Um, but I think there's a difference between certainly touching electric wires and touching a door handle. Um, but I think that when God gives us a God moment, that's like touching the electrical wires. And then when we are walking across carpet and we touch a door handle and, f- and feel that little shock, that's like God reminding us of that God moment. And I don't think it really takes a whole lot uh, or it, d- it takes many times for God to, to remind us of that God moment. I think for Paul, you know, it probably 
required because, you know, his ministry went on for multiple years after he met with Jesus on the road um, to be reminded like, hey, remember that time I came to you and your face changed and you're all sparkly now and you're out preaching the gospel? His, I don't think his face is really sparkly, but Paul got his directive. He turns around and he is led by faith. And you may not know what it all means, but I, I, I take Abraham as an example. Um, Abraham um, is, uh, is led by faith. And so in uh, the book of Hebrews, it says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as, in, as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Um, another, I think, famous theologian once said, I will go, though I do not know the way. That one is uh, Frodo Baggins. Um, so faith is typically accompanied by uncertainty and discomfort, and I think that Paul had some of that. Um, I think if you're uncomfortable, that means that you're doing it right. I think that you are following God in the right way. And my hope is that God will offer reminders of that lightning strike moment. Um, a reminder from last week's sermon is, um, when God offers grace and peace, you know, think uh, putting a white dishwasher in a stainless steel set. Um, you know, fight against the urge uh, to refuse grace and peace. In order to believe the gospel, you know, we must repent. Uh, we have no hope in, uh, when we have no hope in big things or even in small things, it shows that, that we're confused and we need to recenter uh, with the gospel of Jesus. Um, let me see. Yeah, here we go. So we're worth listening to because we are preaching news that we didn't make up. We are preaching the gospel and we're living the gospel. So interesting how God directs Paul to preach to the Gentiles and not to the Jews. Um, God sends us to places that are uncomfortable. And Paul was well acquainted with uh, the Jews being a Pharisee um, and being certainly familiar with the knowledge and the teachings and the methodologies of the law. But he was led to teach to the Gentiles who were, um, you know, they were ignorant, having to essentially begin to tell his own story and the revelation of Jesus with no pre-existing background. So he was kind of like a fish out of water, um, and he didn't have anything from his really his own story, maybe, maybe experiencing Jesus on the road. Um, but besides that, it was all about just the gospel and not about him. Uh, it's an easy story to tell when we are not at the center of it. If Jesus is the center of the story, I think it's pretty easy. Um, and so I know this sounds a little corny, but our journey is a soul journey. Um, uh, let me see, seven, I think it was seven years ago, um, Colleen and I were uh, just recently married, and there was a moment that I really wanted to seek God's voice. And so I set out on a hike, climbed a mountain, asked God, I said, you know, um, what do you have for me in terms of our future? And, you know, I consider myself a pretty sane person, but I did hear God's voice. And he said, you need to pick up your family and move and go back to school and take out all these student loans. And it's going to be hard, but this is what I have for you and just do it. And so like a child, I ran down this mountain and I'm not a hiker, um, clearly because I was like tumbling down this mountain. My knees are all scraped up and I just kept going. The, the mark of a successful journey, you know, it's not measured in results. It's measured in experiencing God, um, uh, feeling like God has given you wisdom and, um, experiencing God's story interwoven into yours. Um, and it's a movement from greed to generosity, uh, a movement from lust to love, uh, bitterness to forgiveness, 
addiction to trusting God and despair uh, and despair to hope. That's how you know that that you're on a God um, on a soul journey with God. Um, otherwise, I think you will feel bored. You'll feel cynical. You will feel enslaved to your appetites, disengaged from your community, resentful of your spouse and your family. You'll feel isolated and depressed and despaired. And um, I think that Paul's story and certainly the story of Jesus interwoven over ours is an invitation um, to some of these things, generosity and love and those things. Uh, But a God journey is one whose story has death and resurrection as its foundation. Um, so going back to Galatians um, chapter 18, uh, verse 18, um, it says, Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem and, to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him uh, 15 days. So when I read of this verse, I thought of why there's a three-year gap um, in this scripture, and it brought a, a couple of things to mind. First, uh, I remember you know, thinking my own story of being a really curious adolescent, and really wanting to seek God and become a believer and go through this big thing and have this lightning moment. And a mentor of mine told me, you know, Corey, it took me four years to become a believer. And I thought, you know, I thought it was supposed to be like Jesus and Paul on the road. Like it happens in a moment. It doesn't take four years. Um, but the invitation for me to... Um, really seek God and to seek that lightning bolt moment, it did take me a long time. It took me about seven years. Um, And I don't say that to discourage you. I say that because um, if you seek God and you don't feel that lightning bolt, that doesn't mean that God doesn't care and he's not there to invite you um, into his community. I think that um, it could just take a longer time to develop. Um, So I was encouraged to walk by faith and still carry my questions. It was okay for me to ask some of those really big kind of troubling um, questions, like if God is, you know, if he's the biggest thing and the strongest thing, can he build something bigger than he can lift? And and, and kind of these um, trap questions and still feel like God was um, pulling me along on the journey. Um, the other thing that um, chapter uh, that verse eighteen reminds me of is maybe something more familiar to you, which is an episode from Seinfeld. So there is this episode of uh, Seinfeld where George is sharing the story about his previous wedding engagement to his current girlfriend, and he says, "Well, I was engaged to be married, and we bought the wedding invitations, and yada yada yada. I'm still single." So. Throughout this episode, the the term yada, yada, yada is meant to leave the audience guessing and assuming the details of what happened. So for those of you who know that story, George's uh, ex-fiance dies licking the toxic adhesive on the cheap wedding invitations that George chose. But George leaves the detail to the imagination. Okay, back to Paul. (laughs) I almost lost you there. I almost lost you there. (laughs) Okay, I got one. I got one. So God gives Paul a mission to preach, preach him among the Gentiles, right? And so Paul goes to Arabia and Damascus, yada, yada, yada. He meets up with Cephas in Jerusalem three years later. But our lightning strike moments are important, and so are the little shock reminders that God gives us along the way. But the, the yada, yada, yada is important, too, because God says that he will be with us. 
And Paul doesn't give the details of spreading the gospel of Jesus in Arabia or Damascus, at least not in this letter uh, to the Galatians. He, he does, it is described in Acts 13 and 14, so I encourage you, if you want the yada, 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 to go back and read it, because it's actually, um, it's some serious and heavy stuff. A lot of struggles. Um, now, imagine the, the mundane parts and the struggles of your own life. Maybe the parts that in a conversation you would say yada, 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 and you, you don't really want to spare kind of the boring details. Um, but imagine the miracles that Jesus performed that we don't even know about. You know, maybe there is more to the story that is really important that just isn't mentioned. So I think about my own story, and I invite you to think of your own story. Um, I grew up in a secular home. I had a baptism when I was 21. Now I'm preaching, and I have a wife and a couple kids. Um, and I skipped over like a million details. Um, I'm reminded of all the mundane that happened in between all that, and it's really essential to who I am as a believer. And I would love to tell you about it if you're interested, because I want to know the mundane parts of your story. Um, and it, you know, I've done some God story journaling, um, and I found that the times that I felt especially alone, or I felt like there was maybe a, a low plateau, or I guess I don't know what you'd call it, a valley uh, of kind of mundaneness. That God said, "Corey, I'm I was right there in that story. I was right there in just the um, the parts of your life that dragged." And you know, maybe God was right there weeping with me. Maybe He was right there helping me bear my burdens. And those are really the the stories worth sharing. So um, Paul's story um, is pretty heavy and also probably pretty mundane. So I would encourage you to go back and and read Acts. Um, yeah, here we go. So so we know that Paul was blind for a while. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was thrown in prison, and probably way more than we know. And I would say that all adversity becomes the hand of God, according to our own interpretation. So remember Acts chapter 9, where Jesus says of Paul, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Adversity is an opportunity into relationship and an interesting story. Perhaps God is calling us into suffering. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe not. But he won't, um, he won't leave you hanging. He will, make, he will make meaning out of it. You know, I get to hear a lot of stories um, just in my, um, my day job. And I would never suggest in the very immediate moment uh, that adversity is what makes our stories interesting or worth hearing. Um, but there is evidence that God gives meaning to our suffering. Here's an example of something I hear a lot. My accident was the best thing that ever happened to me. I'm so glad I failed that class. I would never have met my spouse if it wasn't for the time I missed that flight. So somehow I think that we all know that despite the loneliness and the sorrow that we might feel in the immediate moment, that God is with us and is making meaning, even in the mundane. So here again is death and resurrection at the core of our experiences. So perhaps you, now you're in a season of life where you're struggling to make meaning out of adversity, and I would be curious if that is God writing a resurrection story for you now. A quick quote from Isaiah, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So to imagine God making um, streams in the wasteland, you know, I, I imagine diggers, you know, like big tractors 
Kate is all about diggers right now, so everything is is colored with tractors and heavy machinery. But um, Kate's my daughter, for those of you who don't know. Um, and so I think, like, God saying, I'm making streams in the wasteland. I'm thinking, okay, well, there are parts of my story, parts of my life that are certainly wastelandish. You know, I wonder what God is, or what kind of metaphors God is really laying down for me here. And so Paul is running full force in one direction, only to suddenly be going in another, as if God is um, really, really making streams in the wasteland. Uh, my first year of seminary, um, I failed. And I remember being out on the pier, and I was weeping, and I was hearing the voices of the people that said, you know, Corey, you were not prepared for this. And I was hearing the lies of the enemy telling me how much money I wasted and how much time I squandered. Um, but, you know, I asked God, I said, you know, what, what do you have for me in this? And he said, Corey, I have you digging deeper into your story. And so I said, okay, God, let's, let's dig into my story. And it was great. And it was also terrible. Um, so I would say be on the lookout for God's invitation. It can come to you in dreams. It can come to you in songs. It can come to you in conversations over dinner. It can happen in a hospital or at a graveside. It can happen in the wake of failure or lies or infidelity. Um, the invitation can sound like it can sound like this: serve, give, reconcile, embrace the challenges, risk, celebrate, mourn, go. Um, so I think for me, I had a combination of those. Mostly it was mourn and then go and mourn again and go and mourn again and go. And that was kind of the cycle for me. And for you, it could be, um, it could be anything. All right. Um, let's bring it home here. Uh, Galatians 23 says... Uh, 123, they only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they praise God because of me. So how cool is it that a bully and a murderer and a terrorizer can, be some, can become such an advocate and a leader and a lover? This is something to thank God for. If you were a jerk and now you're not, tell somebody and celebrate it. And if you need more shocks, don't grab the power line, but um, ask around in the community because I think that is what our community is for, to love, uh, to, to spur each other on and love, to irritate each other in love and good deeds and good, good shocks. God intervenes in our lives and gives us opportunities to respond. So I'm curious how you'll respond to your God moment. Uh, I realize that's kind of small, so I, I can just kind of read it to you. So to recap, we are worth listening to because we are preaching news that we didn't make up. We are preaching um, news that we were given, the living gospel. Our story is a journey of the soul, which involves death and resurrection, wisdom and experience, and it should have some parallels with the ministry of Jesus um, in terms of hardships and um, repair and um, righteousness. The mundane parts of our story should not be forgotten or kept a secret because God is involved in the mundane. When we experience transformation of who we were into who we are and who we are becoming, it's worth sharing and it's worth celebrating. 
We're, we are celebrating Jesus and the fact that he died on the cross and that God raised him from the dead. So what parts of your story uh, are dead or are dying? And what parts have been raised from the dead? Um, I, I'm wondering if there are one or two things or 10 or 100 things that are part of your story that you just want to tell somebody about. Hey, this one time I was addicted, and God saved me from that. And then I was addicted to it again, and God saved me again. And there should be celebration uh, through that story. And I, you know, going back to that, um, I'm going to go back, 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 back. To this slide, you know, like, this is a cycle, and God will grow your story if you uh, if you ask him to, um, so I'm wondering if it's even worth asking, because I know sometimes greed and lust and addiction those things feel really good. Uh, despair and bitterness certainly serve a purpose, and it's a lot harder to ask God to uh, transform us. Certainly was for Paul; he was blind and thrown in jail and all kinds of bad stuff. Um, but um, I think he led a really good and rich life. So I typically wear a watch, which I don't now, which I'm not now. It's 6.06. I have time for a couple of questions, dare I ask. Um, does anybody have a question? Um, yeah, Mark. I'll just say your question again so it's in the recording. So for the recording, Mark just said how awesome I did <laughs> at making something mundane just super awesome and cool. Thanks, Mark. Any other questions I can obfuscate for the sake of recording? Um, Is there another microphone, Michael? Yeah. I know I'm typically the mic runner, so maybe I can ask my own questions. Or just offer more positive commentary. That would be fine, too. Um, let's see. I was... Can you make sure that mic's turned off? Okay, keep talking. Okay, just keep talking. I'm going to keep talking. So, um, I guess what my uh, reaction to this kind of thing is, well, I'm just afraid of looking in and reading into things too much and and looking for God's story where it wasn't actually. So I'm always, and maybe this is too cynical of me, but I'm always looking and people saying, oh, it was a God thing. And I'm like, well, or, or maybe it wasn't. And um, I don't know. Do you think there's a danger in in, in getting that wrong? I think there could be a danger in um, over-spiritualizing. However, I think that it would be worth just saying, hey, God, was that a God thing? Because it would be easy for us to just say, like, well, my abuse or um, my betrayal, like, that was a God thing. Now I'm come, I've come to grips with it. I think that can be dangerous because we just kind of write it off. But I think to go through the motion of grieving or of celebrating the times that God was actually there and involved, I think that there is a, a deeper experience of that.
Does that answer your question? Yes. Great. Um, I, I was just really struck looking at God's use of Paul in his ministry. Um, Jesus says, forgive your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. And so I take that on in my life and I find my enemies and I think, well, at best, at best I'm going to neutralize you and we don't have to talk anymore. You know, at best we'll get along, but you know, we're not going to work together. I'm certainly not going to use you in any meaningful way because look at all the things you've done against me. And so here's God saying, well, I've got Paul. I, I mean, I could, uh, I could destroy Paul. Wouldn't have that, that would have been just as easy to say, this guy's, look, he's murdering all my Christians and let's get him out of here. But he does this really interesting and I think powerful thing of saying, well, actually we're going to take that enemy, pray for them, forgive them, elevate them and use them. And so I'm just challenged by that and fascinated. Thanks. Um, I think I, there's one more question. Time for one more question. The <clears throat> yada 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 was brilliant because God is in the yada yada yada, and and <clears throat> I have found in, in all the mundane moments of my life and all the routines of my life, there's the rich presence of God, and He is always present. He's not sometimes present. So I think for me, God moments. There are spectacular moments when I recognize that he's close, but he's always close. 